Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama. We have a lot to get to in today's episode, and we're going to start with the Houston Cougars football team, who made a lot of noise on this Valentine's Day, especially when it comes to their coaching staff movement. Shannon Dawson, who was the quarterback's coach, he oversaw Houston's play calling during the 2022 season. He is out. He reportedly has the time of this as heading to Miami to be their quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator so it'll be interesting to see how the Houston Cougars fill that spot of course we'll have men's basketball and women's basketball talk as they near March and really what they need to see or what we need to see from them down the stretch as they gear up for their respective conference tournaments and of course the big O for them being able to get into the big dance come the middle of March until then this pod's time pajama stick around Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. We you could care less what other people think. Joining me as always, Dayon Dunlap. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. So let's jump right into it in regards to the big coaching staff change when it comes to the Houston Cougars football team. And of course, that was a really wide, a bit of a controversial, not even a bit. It was a controversial position from the Houston coaching staff this past season, especially when it came to the offensive struggles early on in the season. Shannon Dawson heading over to Miami to take a similar role with the Hurricane. What are your initial thoughts on the move and just general? What do you think? Where do you think? Houston goes from here? I mean, good um, for Dawson, I guess, to go to Miami, a team that's still trying to resurrect their program. So if he's able to resurrect their offense, he'll get a lot of credit because they haven't been the Miami that um, college fans like myself are accustomed to seeing. And so, I mean, congratulate him on the move. I think it's a, it's a good job. It's a good opportunity for him to continue to improve himself. But from a Houston perspective, I, I like the move to move on from Dawson. I think he was inconsistent in his role and play calling and sticking to a strategy. I know every game is a different strategy in football, but it's inconsistent. Um, it, had, it wasn't reported and it wasn't confirmed, but I believe Dana took over play calling um, late in the season due to that inconsistency from Dawson. So I think it's a good move. I think Houston offense still is predicated around Dana's system, which is under Mike Lee's tree. And so um, not really a, a big move. I wonder who will Houston, who are they replacing? But whoever they replace him is still going to run the Dana system. And so it, it really, really, in essence, in my opinion, it matters. But it, I guess it, it doesn't matter, if that makes sense. Well, I think it matters from a continuity standpoint now. Regardless, I think you bring up a great point. There was certainly, when you look at tw- the 2022 Houston Cougars offense, there was kind of a before and after. And that was really the Memphis game. And in particular, it started the fourth quarter of the Memphis game when Houston was down by 19 points. It seemed like they were, it seemed like the season was on the brink of falling apart, to be honest. that They, they had just lost a few conference games. The, the fan perspective after the three, losses I think they had just lost to Tulane and they had obviously lost to Kansas Texas Tech in non-conference a lot of it seemed like it, it was just falling apart and something clicked 
in that fourth quarter of the Memphis game. We're not sure if, like you said, officially, your Dana Horace had never necessarily acknowledged from a media standpoint that there had been a switch in offensive play caller, but something changed. Something changed from that standpoint, and overall to finish the conference game in 2022 houston ended up actually having one of the best offenses in the conference from the american athletic conference and from a standpoint of points per game they were second just behind smu who houston cougar fans know very well how posting that smu offense was but they were averaging 36.1 points a game by the time the season ended now i think there was still a, a big part of it had to do with the level of competition that they were playing hitting down the stretch against the American because you could still see it at times and stretches when that offense, I mean, just think of the bowl game in the last game of the season against Louisiana it had its struggles at times. And I think that was really the biggest demoralizer from a fan perspective when you when they played against Texas Tech, against Kansas and Tulane, who, I mean, we saw the season they ended up having, they ended up giving USC fits with their Heisman-winning quarterback. If they were able to do that to USC, that was a level of competition that Houston struggled with. So I think you can attribute that, that that had a big reason to do with the turnaround. But it was something that, like you mentioned, in regards to Dana Hogerson running the Hogerson system, Going back two seasons ago to the 2021 year when Houston went 12-2 and two and they had a lot more consistent success on that side of the ball. And really it was kind of headlined by running back Alton McCaskill and then the spectacular freshman season that he had. But for a majority of the stretch during that 2021 year, it was Daniel Holgerson called in plays. And kind of similar that Memphis is intertwined in this. Holgerson said on the record here, he said it a few times during the 2022 season, but at some point after they played Memphis or maybe even leading up to that Memphis game, and then when they played UConn to end the 2021 season, Hogerson said he felt burnt out and he needed to you know, kind of give away those play-calling duties to someone else. In this case, it was Shannon Dawson, just because he felt much more comfortable wanting to be able to focus on bigger pictures on game days when it came to a coaching perspective. And that's the reason why Dawson overtook the plays. In the 2021 season, again, it was a much smaller sample size, but against Connecticut, against Memphis, it didn't look like there was much of a drop-off until that Cincinnati game where they struggled again when they faced one of those top-tier defenses. Yeah, and I think going into the Big 12, a conference that he's familiar with, the defenses that he's familiar with, he's going to see, I don't think it's a bad idea for, to him to begin Houston's first season in the Big 12 to call plays to make that transition even better. And also taking into account having a uh, a quarterback with unexperience um, at Houston. I mean, I know if, if Smith wins the job, he has some experience, but he's still unexperienced in Houston's system at Houston. So whether it's Coley or Smith, you have an unexperienced quarterback that I think he'll make that transition even better. I mean, I know, like you mentioned, he wanted to kind of relieve some of his duties because he was feeling um, how you said he was feeling. And so, I mean, you're the, you're the head coach. You you're brought here because of your offensive mind, not because of, well, because of your offensive mind. I won't say what I was about to say. And so I, I think it would be a good idea and a smart idea for him to do so. Or, I mean, if it is to hire someone who he feels confident enough to call the plays and run the system that they are running. But regardless, I think the focus, I don't want to say should shift in regards to running the ball more, but I think the strength of the team next year will be in the backfield with Austin McCaskill, Brandon Campbell, and, and Schneed, and the running backs that they have in the offensive line um, will be um, 
have a lot of chemistry together, a lot of snaps under their belt together. So I think that would be a strength as well. You got a lot of talent on the outside, but with that inconsistency at quarterback, you, you want to probably ease them into a lot of games and lean on the running game and get your play action game to take advantage of some of those one-on-one matchups that you'll see on the outside. There's a couple of ways we can look at it. And before we do, I think, kind of the, the biggest sentiment during the course of 2022 season from fans was they wanted Dana Hogerson to oversee that play calling duty again. Now, I think it's something that at this point, it's still very early just in terms of how Houston will adjust. According to uh, the footballscoop.com, the Houston Cougars have already made changes on their coaching staff and according to the football scoop Michael Burkett who was former quarterback at the University of Kentucky and West Virginia he was on the UH coaching staff this past season as an offensive analyst he's been promoted to be the new quarterbacks coach for the Houston Cougars now of course that's a report as of us recording this by the footballscoop.com the University of Houston program at, at this time has not confirmed any moves officially when it comes to their coaching staff but I'm sure that's going to be coming shortly a source confirmed that Dawson is heading to Miami so that's obviously that's official now it's just about well, who's going to be the next person that comes in here and either fills that role. It looks like uh, Burkhead's going to be the one that takes over the off the quarterback's position, but that's not entirely that report. They didn't mention whether that includes overseeing play calling or that could be someone else. Now, of course, with this being a hot topic, like I mentioned, that, that offensive coordinator position, you know, whether it's right or wrong, Dawson kind of became one of the he, – he, he became a trending coach – on the Houston staff and it wasn't for a good reason. So obviously when you look at the news today, it's kind of a mixed reaction from the Houston Cougars fans. It's not really that mixed. If you look at it, more people are, are rather happy to see him gone. And you know, it might be the best for both sides just in terms of getting a chance to, to move on to, to different teams, different spaces being in different environments from both sides, but obviously us, we're going to focus on the Houston perspective. So we asked people on social media, kind of, what is their big board for potential staffs? And of course, the big name, and I think this is the the reach from a standpoint of who they would like to see, but it's Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury, who just left his head coaching position, or he's fired from his head coaching position in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, this is at a Matthew seven one three on Twitter. He mentioned a few names: Jake Spatvidal, Chris Jackson, Malcolm Kelly, and other people as well. Jacob Houston fan zero zero, who's always in tune with Houston sports. He says he'd love to see Daniel Hogerson be responsible for play calling. Now he thinks an offensive coordinator will help Hogerson out when it comes to being able to share those responsibilities. But he feels that Hogerson calling plays is the best for the Houston Cougars. Now at the Texas Juan on Twitter, and. Brian Ellis or Mike Blyask. So I'm going to butcher that last name. But, Dan, I'm looking for you. Who's kind of a name that you would like to see? Or do you think that maybe the best move for Houston is to have Hogerson take over with play calling responsibilities as well? Well, I just gave my opinion on why it wouldn't be a bad idea for Hogerson to um, call plays in this next season. But a name that I didn't see was Kevin Sumlin. Um, mm-hmm. As a uh, 
history with Hogerson. Um, he's a great offensive mind, great offensive play caller, and he has a lot of experience working with mobile quarterbacks, in which Houston will have a mobile quarterback, whether it's with um, Coley or Smith. And so I think that's a good name to, um, to keep in mind out there. He has great Texas roots. He knows how to recruit the state. And, and plus, um, he's, a, he's a, like I said, a bright offensive mind, and he knows the system, probably can add it and tweak a little more. And he has a ton of head coaching experience, ton of experience, um, coaching experience in all. And I, and I so I think you give the reins to him offensively, um, like you mentioned how Hogerson felt. I think he would be relieved in that duty knowing someone who is more than worthy and more than capable of holding in that position and, and doing a good job with it. So I would like to see Kevin Sumlin. Cliff Kingsbury, do you think that's any possibility at all? Do you think that's a that's a stretch of the imagination? I wouldn't mind Cliff Kingsbury either. I think he he's more of closer to the the leech spread as far as throwing, 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 throwing versus Dana. I think Dana runs it more than Leach and Kingsbury. So I wouldn't I wouldn't mind him, but I wouldn't mm, I wouldn't be mad at the hire. But he wouldn't be my first choice. He wouldn't be my first choice. How realistic do you think it is? Because I'm going to be honest, I don't think it's realistic at all if I see Kingsbury in Houston, but you never know. I don't think so. I think he has a lot of money right now. I wouldn't. I think he'll probably sit out for a couple of years or two before he joins the ranks because his pockets is, is looking really good, not to count the man's pockets or nothing. But, I mean, he he, he definitely um, cashed in on his time in Arizona. I'll say that. And so – I mean, but you never know. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at that hire, but at the same time, I feel like he would have to adjust his philosophy some to what Hogerson would want to do in regards to running the football more. Mm-hmm. I think kind of a name to keep an eye on, who's already a new addition to the staff, but that's Eman Eman Eman. I'm a butcher his last name. Emanagavi. I believe that's how you say his full name but he came from Tulane obviously again we mentioned the green wave and the success they had during the season he originally came in just to oversee the offensive line and the running game for the Houston Cougars but seeing the success that he had at Tulane maybe potentially he could fill in to be an offensive corner that oversees the entire offense we're not entirely too sure about that against a lot of it's speculation a lot of it right now hearsay until Houston officially does announce their coaching moves is speculation so of course we want to hear from you guys we love to hear from you guys in the comments who would you like to see be the next offensive coordinator for the Houston Cougars or who would you like to be see be the one that is calling plays for the Houston Cougars is it Dana Holgerson that someone on the staff could it be Kingsbury do you think that could be a realistic feature be sure to leave your feedback in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube on the Pods Time and Jamma YouTube channel. If you're listening to the audio-only versions on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you may be listening, feel free to reach out to us on social media, whether it be on Twitter at Pods Time and Jamma, or find us on YouTube. Well, you will catch this episode first before the audio-only versions. We are recording this on Tuesday, so obviously a lot of content a lot to discuss now real quickly we're going to move on to the women's basketball team on the other side of this break but we would like to announce that finally Neon, we made it happen there is let's rage cougs merch on bonfire.com let's rage cougs shop where we just unveiled our inaugural type of merch we have two different lines the let's rage line which if you're not 
if you're listening to the audio only, it's a t-shirt or a hoodie that comes in three different colors. It comes in black, uh, midnight blue, or cougar red. It's not necessarily cougar red. It's a red, but we're going to call it cougar red. And it's a gnarly design that says Let's Rage on the front and the back. It promotes the Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial postgame show of Houston football and men's basketball or our other line there will be rage which is uh, similar right now so far we've only launched a t-shirt and hoodie but you can support us by being able to check out those products and being able to order them as we gear towards the american athletic conference tournament in fort worth for both the men's and women's basketball team it would be really cool if you guys could be repping your let's rage coops merch and of course it does help us as well so be sure to check that out. The link will be in the description if you're watching where, wherever you may be watching audio only or on YouTube. But kind of getting back into the hardware down this past Sunday, the Houston Cougars women's basketball team had their biggest win of the season. They went up, or I guess technically they went down to Tampa and they beat the South Florida Bulls who were ranked who were number 24 in the AP poll heading into the matchup. They were undefeated in conference play. They were 11-0 heading into the game. I believe they were 22-4 and overall heading into that matchup. And, I mean, give credit to the Cougars. They went in there. They punched the Bulls in the mouth first. They were able to really – it never seemed like the Bulls were comfortable in the first half with the defense that has become a signature calling card for Ron Huey when it comes to their full-court pressure. It never seemed like they were able to kind of get into rhythm until the second half. And, of course, when it comes to Houston, you got to start with Layla Blair, who she was just on fire in that game, especially in the first half. She finished with 30 points overall against the Bulls. What stood out to you about that victory for Houston? Like I said, their biggest win of the season and now uh, comfortably at second in the American Athletic Conference at 7-3. and three. That's the team that I expected to see throughout the entire duration of the season. Um, I wasn't surprised because in the first game, I feel like they should have beat South Florida. Looking at both rosters, I think they're a better team than South Florida. They have more talent than South Florida. So for Houston, really it's just about putting it all together. And outside of Layla, of course, you you start with her. She had a big game. But without, what stood out to me about Layla, not only did she have a big game but her shot selection. When she had it going, she still didn't take bad shots. She, she made smart decisions to – make passes to other people to get them involved. And so the difference between um, that game and I think going forward, they need other production, primarily Brittany Onyeje. They need her mm-hmm. to make shots. It's apparent that she makes shots. When she makes shots, Houston's a better team because it's been a lot of games where Layla's had big games, Tierra's had big games, but Houston still lose because they don't have that um, – they don't have – the depth of scoring from other players to consistently consistency of players scoring to help kind of fill out the void. And so Tierra had a really good game. Layla, of course, had a big game, but we, we we're accustomed of seeing those two have games. But I think Brittany Onyeje is the key. I mean, she's such a streaky shooter. Houston needs her to make shots. But not only that, she made good shots. She made smart shot selections. She knocked down three threes, but she made two drives to pull up um, off the dribble shots that really, really was impressive as well. And then Bria Patterson, um, when she's aggressive and making shots as well, Houston is a better team. But for all for overall, I think the defense, of course, stands out. They're able to turn South Florida over and play their style of defense. And what I like about Coach Hewing, 
in this team is it's not just one press. They have four or five different presses, and they give you so yeah. many different looks in that press that it keeps you off balance and it keeps you on edge of when the trap is coming or when they're going to do certain things to speed you up offensively. I mean, defensively, but offensively, they just need more consistency from their role players. I think their two stars, with Layla and Tierra, they um, complement each other well, and you know you're going to get a good game from either one of them on a game-to-game basis. One game in my be Layla or like over the recent the last two weeks she's been on a a stellar pace and I think the game is slowing down for her I think she's seeing the floor better she's making smarter decisions she's reading pick and roll coverages even better and she's not really relying on the three ball as much I know she's making that a high clip but she must become a better intermediate scorer because oftentimes Mm -hmm. the three point might be falling but you still need to be able to knock mid-range shots your floaters get to the free throw line or make plays for others like she did in that last game but i think they they continue to the pace of where they are they need those role players those others continue to play well when it comes to that game specifically and like you said that's something that was highlighted in the tv broadcast how many different type of full court pressure packages they run on defense which forced the bulls i think they said they had to practice a similar four to five different press breaks just to be able to be prepared for houston i think that's an interesting wrinkle that i think it makes this houston team very very dangerous come the american athletic conference tournament now Real quick, before we move on to that tournament specifically, another one of those key pieces, Tatiana Hill, she was in foul trouble against the Bulls, Mm -hmm. but it seemed like she is a key piece for Houston's defense. She's a huge piece, not only for their defense, for their offense as well. With her ability to offensive rebound, the way she sets screens to get Layla and Tierra, even Brittany open, that's very important. And not only that, defensively, she's such an elite defender, whether it's getting steals, whether it's blocking shots, whether it's rebounding, getting the ball out to the outlet pass to allow their guards to play in transition. She's a vital piece for Houston. And when she's on the floor, they're undoubtedly a better team. But just overall, I mean, I love how Coach Huey right now is um, speaking to existence that March 9th they want to be in that conference tournament because they're aware that they have to win the conference tournament to make the NCAA tournament. So I like that manifestation and building that confidence that, hey, we got to keep taking it a game at a time. But our ultimate goal is getting to that conference championship game, winning it, and going to the NCAA tournament. And undoubtedly, I think that win for against South Florida bowls really well for their their confidence overall as a team. I don't think they're – not confident. I just think it solidifies for them as a team that they can beat the, some of the best teams in the country and even in this yeah. conference because South Florida, four of their losses outside of Houston all came to ranked teams uh, within the top 25. And so South Florida is a good team. I, I think it solidifies for Houston that they are a good team. And if they play the brand of basketball that they played against South Florida, they can not only win the rest of this conference, but win their conference tournament and get into the NCAA tournament and actually make some noise because they have the talent. They just got to put it all together and be more consistent overall as a team. Yeah, like you said, specifically about Ron Huey's comments, you know, he didn't shy away that they obviously they're living the president. They're not taking and they're not overseeing their current opponents. But this is very well a team that they want to get to the American Athletic Conference championship game, which, like you said, will be March 9th. That's the date they have circled. That's their ultimate goal. And I think it's it's 
I completely agree with what you said about that win over South Florida. It's the biggest win of the season. It certainly is much more from a moral and a mental standpoint. Hopefully it provides a boost for them. Like you said, they've been they're a really good matchup. It seems like in the two outings against South Florida, they can not only compete with them, but it just seems like overall it's just an overall good matchup for them against South Florida, which the past few seasons in the American Athletic Conference since UConn left, they've kind of transitioned to be that kind of powerhouse in the American Athletic Conference. And now where really, I mean, you look at the landscape, I think SMU could be one team that potentially throws a wrinkle in Houston in the Houston Cougars' plans. Um, not only are they one of the teams that, that have beat Houston this season, but they went up there and they, they gave South Florida problems as well. But when you look at it, specifically for Ron in his tenure, it's all about making the NCAA tournament. And in order for them to do so they have to win the American Athletic Conference tournament and really steal that bid from South Florida because if they don't, I don't see them being able to get in as an at-large bid. Now, South Florida's solidified. They're locked in. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to get in, but like you said, Houston has to win the tournament to get a bid. And so I think they're aware of that. I love how Coach Hugh is um, mon- not, I don't want to say monetizing because he's not making money off of it, but to um, be speaking into existence, to um, he's not um, shying away from it. Yeah, I was just about to say, not shying away from it. Actually, manifesting it by by talking into it, and then when you manifest it with words, you put it together with the actions, like you did against South Florida. Now you like you 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 get to believe, and you're like, okay, we can really do this. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep putting in the work. Let's keep doing. Because I watched um, Layla's post game interview with Chris Gordon on the Houston Round Bar Review. Make sure you guys check that out. And Layla was not only happy for her performance, but happy for her teammates and the way that they were able to perform. And she knows how important it is for them to continue to put in the work to get to where they want to go. And she also said, in which I wholeheartedly believe this, when we go on the floor, I mean, we believe that we are the better team. We haven't had the best results that we would want, but ultimately we can compete with anyone. And I think they can do that. They just have to be more consistent overall as a team. Absolutely. And a big shout out to Layla Brown. Like we said, she played a P role in that victory over South Florida. She rightfully received the words for the American Athletic Conference Tournament. And it certainly seems like you said, uh, Dayon, in the last few weeks, she's kind of starting to hit her stride heading into March, which is exactly what you want from a Houston Cougars perspective. But on that note, we'll transition over to talking to the men's basketball team. But before we do, I'd like to remind everybody, whether you're watching live or technically not live, whether you're watching on YouTube or checking us out on the audio-only version platforms, to also check out Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial Houston postgame show, where Dayon, Chris Gardner, that Dayon just mentioned, and I break down on everything that happened of the Houston Cougars men's and football basketball Houston Cougars men's basketball and football games all season long we only have a handful of regular season games before we get into the conference tournament and into the uh, NCAA tournament which obviously at this point with one of the teams that are the top teams in the entire country there's a lot of excitement for the potential year-round so be sure to check out let's rich coop streaming live after each and every houston cougars men's basketball team game on the houston round ball review youtube channel or check out the next morning on the wherever you get your audio versions of pod slamma jamma so on spotify apple podcast let's rich coops the unofficial houston post game show of men's basketball and football and on that note, we are 
February 14th, Valentine's Day. We're about a month away from the NCAA tournament. And of course, between now and then, there's still a lot to be decided for Houston. I think luckily the Houston Cougars are in a position where it's not about whether they're making the tournament. It's about what seed they will be. As of right now, through games played February 14th, it would seem like, of course, a lot of it's subjective when you look at it across the, the basketball landscape, but it seems like there's general agreement that the Houston Cougars are one of four teams that have kind of separated themselves from the pack when it comes to potentially getting a number one seed, and I think you can put them in a class with Kansas, Alabama, and Purdue. I know there was one outlet that had Texas out there after they lost to Texas Tech and it kind of slid back I'm down from that Kansas aspect. Baylor is going to be starting to get some recognition. Baylor's right clicking. Yep. Yeah, Baylor's clicking. But I think as of now, I think those four teams kind of have the most seed. It looks like Purdue might be stumbling a little bit. So that'll be interesting to see if they can turn it around in the next few weeks. But keeping it local from a Houston Cougars perspective, I think the key for them to being able to lock down a number one seed is relatively, from a standpoint where we're just talking, is relatively simple. Obviously, it's much more harder on the court. But I think the biggest thing that UH has to do is avoid bad losses, which it it sucks because in the conference or in the American Athletic Conference, from a national perspective, really a lot of national pundits would consider any loss against American Athletic Conference foes. I would argue maybe accept a road loss to Memphis as a bad, as a bad loss. But what say you what do you think needs to happen from now until the end of the conference postseason tournament for Houston to be able to lock down a number one seed? If these so called experts watched any basketball, then they would know that I would agree there's only three bad losses left on Houston's schedule in the non conference. SMU East Carolina and Wichita State. You, how can you say that a two-lane team, if they lose to that team, would be a bad loss and they beat Memphis twice, who Memphis, who beat to, um, Auburn, who beat, uh, I believe it was Texas A&M. And so I don't think, in my eyes, they would be viewed as a bad loss if that were to happen. And so I think that even if they drop one of those games against a two-lane or against Memphis, whether it be at home or on the road, I still think – they'll do enough to earn a number one seed, even in taking into account if they win a conference tournament. So I, I think the number one seed is probably almost solidified. I, I think there are a grace period but between Houston it, as far as if they suffer another loss. I don't think, like we talked about in different episodes, whether it's on Lewis Race Cruz or our podcast, that Houston mm-hmm. has to go undefeated or maybe one loss to get that number one seed. I think they've earned a respect um, between – well, during the, during this season, between these so-called experts who who put out all these different mock um, seeds and all this other yeah. bracketology and all that crap, I would say, <laughs> <laughs> um, right. that they realized Houston is one of the best teams, and I, I think saying that. Alabama beat Houston. That's why they're number one. And I think mm-hmm. that goes to the respect of Houston. And Do you so, have a problem with that? I don't have with a problem Alabama with that at all. Not at all. Not one bit because they beat Houston on the road. That's probably the most impressive win from any team in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Battle back to win that game. Then you look at what they're doing in the SEC. They're the number one team in that conference. Undefeated at this point. 
Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. I, I think that's a that's a good assessment. They beat Houston at Houston, so I'm not mad at that. But I think Houston, man, just keep keep stacking up the wins. I don't think it's a bad loss um, if they lose. I think, like I'm said, East Carolina, Wichita State, and SMU, those are bad losses. If they lose against one of those three teams, I think they might fall out that number one seed spot. Interesting that, that, like you said, Tulane maybe not be – you wouldn't put it in that category of a bad loss, but it being a home loss, I would see that, that from a national perspective, they certainly would would put a lot of uh, dirt in Houston's eyes if they were to lose that game. I, I agree with you in terms of Memphis. I think I found it interesting. I, I get, a lot of it is subjective depending on whatever outlet you see, but some a lot, there's a lot of consensus that Memphis is kind of around a bubble team in the NCAA tournament, which I found interesting. Like you mentioned, they have – Good wins. They beat Auburn. They beat Texas A&M, which has been trending in the right direction. And they're actually ranked in the coaches poll. This last uh, poll that came out on Monday. So the Aggies are a team that are heading in the right direction. The Tigers have those good quality wins, even against Alabama, kind of similar to Houston. They narrowly lost to the Crimson Tide, which, I mean, like we talked about, arguably Alabama is the best team in the country right now. And if you look at it from the, the polls, they are the best team in the country right now. But Keeping on it from the conference postseason tournament, do you think that Houston, again, you said they don't necessarily have to win out, but do you think that they have to get at least to the championship game? What what could the conference tournament be like for the Cougars? I think if they went out the regular season, win the conference tournament, they're probably going to be for a number one overall seed. I oh, yeah, so. for sure. I think so. And not just the number one seed, I think the number one overall seed. And so I think they put, they're going to put that much stock into it because some of these other teams like Alabama, they still got to play the likes of Tennessee and, and different schools who they're going to be challenged. But if they get through their schedule and win their conference tournament, then they might be the number one seed. But if Houston just take care of his business, and I expect some of these other teams to lose a game or two, because you look at Alabama, they went to an OU team on the road in Oklahoma, in Norman, and got blew out but mm-hmm. still doesn't take away overall what they've done collectively for the season and the schedule that they put together and so do they consider that a bad loss maybe no because oklahoma's in the big 12 but they're not having yeah. a good season but if you look at Tulane, who's beat the memphis team twice at memphis and at home they still don't get the respect so i don't know what these people i don't think they're watching Every team, they just going on the narrative behind the programs without actually watching the games. And so that's why I don't really like too much taking that stuff into account because and ultimately it doesn't matter once you get into the tournament. I don't care what your seed is, one or two. We've seen um, Cinderella, quote unquote, Cinderella teams make long runs and people are surprised yeah. because of the seed, the number next to their, their team name. And so, man, I don't really put much stock into it. But I think for Houston, they win the conference tournament, went out, they probably be in the running for an overall number one seed. Yeah, I'm looking at the gears pass when you look at the quote unquote power five conference. I know it's a little bit different in basketball, but I look at the Big Ten that past few seasons they've had multiple teams make it to the NCAA tournament and a lot of them end up losing in the first or second rounds of the NCAA tournament. It just goes to show how crazy college basketball is. Now, focusing on a Houston Cougars perspective specifically, they are they've had about a week off after the last game. They played Tulsa last Wednesday. It won't play again until February 16th at SMU, which from Houston's perspective, this is pretty much the last break that they have until whenever their season ends, whenever that that may be, come March or from Houston perspective, even April. But from 
what they've been able to take account, it's been a good chance for them to recover their bodies and gear up for their final stretch. Now, Jamal Shedd spoke to reporters after practice yesterday, and really one of the messages that he reiterated, both he and Sasser kind of said similar things, and really the, the main gist of it is their, their main focus is taking it one game at a time, not necessarily getting caught up in all what do they what, what do they need to do to be able to secure a number one seed what do they they quite frankly they don't care about ranks or anything like that it's much more about living in the moment and taking it one game at a time for you what are kind of what are you looking for in this Houston Cougars team down the stretch i'm looking for them like jamal said to play more consistently as a team there's been stretches where mm-hmm. where Jarris has had three or four consecutive really good games. There have been stretches where Marcus had two or three stretches of pretty really good games. Tremont, Jamal, J1. So I, I think that next step is putting it all together as a team, a lot of the women's team. Put it all together and play that high level of basketball as a team where one person might have a great game, but you have everyone else having good games. Like we have a game recently where stats don't really tell the full story of having a good game. And I'm not one of those person who look at the stats and be like, oh, he had a good game because he had X amount of points like a lot of people do. But if they can have a game where you have multiple players in double figures and not to, like I said, means that have a good game, but it's just more consistently offensively and overall that would make the threat of Houston offensively a more potent team. And so I think that's the next step for them as the, um, they wind down the stretch of these games, just continue to play well together, gel together, but overall from everyone to kind of have those good games as a team, but not just one or two players. It's hard to say because when you have um, such a talent like they have, I mean, in a game of basketball, it's a make or miss game. I mean, everyone isn't going to make their shots all the time. And so that's a lot to ask for. But when you have the options that they have and the depth that they have, I think they can do it. I mean, it doesn't have to be scoring, like I said, but you, you need to score the basketball. That's how you win. I mean, you can mm-hmm. stop the other team all you want, but if you're not putting the ball in the hoop, what well, does it matter? Right, and I think that's a great point that you brought up in regards to Jamal Shedd's post-game comments, which, by the way, if you do want to check them out, you can do so on the Potsdam Jam YouTube channel. Just go ahead and check out the other videos in the channel. But, yeah, like, that's a great point. It's so far this season, you know, and it's something with Jamal Shedd that you reference. You know, they've had Jarris Walker had a good game. They've had Jamal Shedd had a good game. Marcus Sasser's had a good game. There hasn't really been a stretch where all of them, Look at it from a starting lineup perspective where all of them are kind of hitting on the same game, which I think that that's something that's really, really exciting from a Houston fan perspective because I don't know if there's any team out there that could beat this team if they are all hitting on cylinders. It's a big what if because I think, especially when you look at those top teams, a lot of teams can say that, but from Houston specifically, like I said, they have so many weapons, they're really potent. Yeah, and they, they literally have players that can beat you um with their offense and so i mean it's a lot to ask for but i agree with what you said 100 percent. if they're all clicking at the same game at the same time then houston probably on most likely is going to be unbeatable because we know the defense is going to travel we know they're going to have that energy they're going to play with with relentlessness to win the game is specifically defending the basketball but offensively if they can become continue to be more complete more consistent 
as a team, not just a starting five. You come in, then you have Terrence getting back to um, what he showed that he can do at Oregon. He's playing more consistently at knocking down shots and continue to defend and rebound and doing all those things. Then you take into account Emmanuel coming in, playing his role, knocking down shots, um, defending, taking charges, what he's been doing a great job with recent. Then um, JVA, like just all those different elements of the team, Reggie. And so you put all that in together and they all do that at the same time. Houston's going to be hard to beat, man. They're going to be hard to deal with. Real quick, and on the topic of Terrence Arsenal, Kelvin Sampson did speak to reporters uh, on Tuesday morning. They're recording this, or we're reporting this in the afternoon, but Kelvin spoke Tuesday morning. Didn't give an update uh, in regards to an injury update on Terrence Arsenal. During his radio show last night, on Monday night, he said that Terrence Arsenal was at practice. He, he worked on individual work. He did a lot of shooting, focused specifically on shooting. It's unsure if he's going to play on Thursday at SMU after he rolled his ankle last week against Tulsa, though. Certainly, that's going to be something to keep an eye on heading in the next few games for Houston. But it doesn't sound like it's something that's expected to be a long-term issue for Terrence Arsenal. On that note, that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode of Pod Slam and Jam. So, Dan, I'll toss it over to you. Where can people find you? And any last things that you would like to end with? I mean, just like the show's on the screen, you can follow me on all social media platforms. Ed Day on Dunlap. Give a special shout-out. Two caskets sharp and Jermo specifically is his name of the owner who created the lovely logos um, for the merchandise that we have. We'd like to thank the fans and the support for asking and saying they were supported. So we now we need you to follow through with that and to continue to support us by buying merchandise and helping us continue to grow. And so, man, I'm grateful to be a part of this wonderful team with Andy and Chris. Um, and so just continue to grow. And, man, uh, that's what I'm all about. Continue to involve in every element of my life. And I'm glad to be a part of and doing the work with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Like you said, for the designs that they they had and personal thank you to you, Dan, to be able to reach out to them and coordinate all of that. Those are some sick designs. And of course, if you are interested, be sure to check them out at bonfire.com slash store slash let's rage cooks shop. Once again, that's bonfire.com slash store slash let's rage cooks shop so once again for your let's reach kooks merch as we head down the stretch in the best time of the year like say from a college basketball standpoint my name is andy Yanez. you can follow me on twitter at a Yanez underscore five we thank you for taking the time out of your day to make pots diamond jam a part of your day and of course we will see you next time we'll see you thursday night after houston's game against smu as always down you get the final word can then any episode without saying go cool, baby. Continue to dominate.